Hi, and welcome to the Sciatica Podcast. I'm Tom Jessen. In this first episode, I'm speaking to David Butler. But since it is the first episode, I'll say one or two things first about what I'm up to. I'm researching and writing about radicular pain, and it's all going towards writing a book, unless I change my mind and decide to put it together in some other format. I had a big list of people that I wanted to talk to to get their perspective, and it occurred to me I could record the talks so other people can listen in and benefit. And then I realised I'd just described a podcast, so here we are. I'll be doing interviews with experts in their field, like David, but also speaking to people with sciatica to hear their stories. And we'll have journal clubs and case studies too. If there's someone you want to hear me talk to, or if you have experienced ridiculous pain and want to chat about it, or if you want to come on with a case study or to discuss a paper, do get in touch. But that's enough from me. Let's hear from David. David Butler, a man who needs no introduction, uh, so I'm not going to do one. Uh, David, thank you so much for agreeing to come on the podcast and have a chat. Tom, it's really, I'm really happy to do it. Anybody who's interested in nerves and nerve roots, and <laughs> you're almost giving the brain a rest. It's so trendy. Everyone's into the brain. I think we need to yeah. take the rest of the nervous system sometimes. Yeah, forget about that thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. And we were just talking off mic about your book, The Sensitive Nervous System. Am I right in saying that was 2000, year 2000 or the edition I have was? Yeah, I wrote that in 2000. Seems like a long time ago. And then um, I did mobilization of the nervous system in 1991, um, mm-hmm. the, the little blue book, um, which, you know, Tom, some parts of that are still okay. You know, there's, yeah. a, <laughs> there's a bit there that needs a lot of updating, <laughs> but, you know, that, basic sort of handling and clinical reasoning it's still there so i'm yeah. still proud of them both yeah and, and one of the things I, I you already kind of alluded to the fact that you've written a lot of books over the years and that there's a kind of development through to this one that i'm holding up now yeah uh, supercharged um and so i was sort of preparing for having a chat with you by going over the sensitive nervous system and i thought i'd be able to pull out all sorts of uh, amazing ways that the science has progressed in the last 20 yeah. years but actually a lot of it seemed this is not fault like false praise or anything really contemporary um so it seemed like almost that the actual nuts and bolts neurobiology has not moved on too much from what you were writing in that book to my eyes yeah i think that's a fair comment and thanks for that comment obviously things have moved on in our knowledge of um, plasticity of um neuroimmunology and um as a matter of fact I, i'll admit that um i kind of went away from the, the physical world of the nervous system and for a while as i got into the pain world but i must admit i've come back to it and and um mm-hmm. i think it's uh, the this the um assessing the physical health and the sensitivity of the whole system i think is a critical part of any any evaluation yeah absolutely and, and you said in that book um, a line that stuck with me because I, th- I think it's one of the reasons I'm particularly interested in radicular pain 
yeah. or sciatica or nerve root syndromes or yeah. whatever you want to call it, is that they're particularly frightening thing for a, a therapist to be encountered with. Yeah, that's a really that's a that's a really important thing, and that probably also leads into a lot of um, my more recent work, which. Um, if I can express it like this, um, you can talk or provide a context for a patient that takes some of the sensitivity out of the system. So whereas in the old days, I might have gone in and let's wriggle this, let's move this, let's pull this, I'll now sit down and see what other things are going on that we can take the sensitivity out of the system. And, you know, and with our knowledge of how quickly that can happen, mm-hmm. whether that's um, neurochemistry changes or even ion channel changes, um, perhaps, um, the education parts become um, important. I was actually reflecting too, um, Tom, in the language. Um, I don't think anybody ever thinks of the linguistics of the word nerve root, mm-hmm. because it's a. If you think about it, it's a, it's it's a um, it's a root. It's something that's fixed. It's got the root of all evil, sort of, good, <laughs> or the root of my problems. Yeah. And and root is a root's a um, is a word for a sex act in Australia, of course. So. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, it's like sort of pins and needles is a is a metaphor, and indeed the word nerve root is somewhat sort of you know metaphorical, and anything that's a metaphor it means it some it means a different thing to different people. So <clears throat> I don't know what we call it, but I don't think the word root is fair to this incredibly complex transition yeah. zone. And yeah. indeed, it's rooted. It wriggles, it jiggles around, and indeed, it needs to wriggle and jiggle to get its uh, nutrition from CSF and blood. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what we'll do with the term, but I'll leave that with you, youngsters, to work yeah. out a better word. <laughs> it does sort of subordinate it, doesn't it, to to the nerve itself, uh, almost like it's a secondary. But it, yeah. yeah, but they're much more interesting, in my opinion. Uh, oh yes, they're much more interesting, and um, indeed, sort of touching on. You know, um, touching on where we're heading with the explanation of it, you know, of course you've got the scary ones that go into the genitals or, or refer around the front of the chest wall, you know, and that needs a damn good story with it. And, mm. you know, whether it's pulling out the old dermatome book, and we know how inaccurate you know, that is, but at least you can still use them and say, well, that's where what you've got, the pain's almost supposed to go there. It's almost normal you've got that sort of mm. pain. But even that simple stuff is what I wasn't doing enough 15, 20 years ago, you know, sitting down, yeah. what's the context of this pain state? Mm-hmm. Um, accepting we've got a, a nociceptive contributor within within the nerve root that's potent and needs addressing and specific perhaps technique, uh, um, explanation, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I think that's um, probably in, in my experience, I've recently been working in a persistent pain service uh, and found that a lot of people with nerve root pain uh, have have been through many years of that pain and seen many clinicians without ever kind of establishing an understanding of what's going on in their body. Because it is a very weird kind of pain to have and it's not very intuitive at all for a lay person. That's correct. And and there's such a, um, yeah, I'm right with you there. The the assessment of it, and um, um, even without going into the fancy scans and stuff and all of their false errors and and the like, you know, the the top quality, a high quality neurological assessment has to be done. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think a high quality um, physical assessment, you've got to be, you know, take backs back into extension and see what sort of pinch or see what sort of shift back the roots got. High quality neurodynamic evaluation as well, too. And also a very high quality um, subjective assessment where to be aware of the huge variety of symptoms that a nerve mm-hmm. can do. And, you know, well, we used to, like, for example, we used to, I remember seeing this patient, we called them like a 20 cent, a 20 cent coin spot of, of pain on their, on their mm-hmm. shin somewhere. And you're yeah. traveling around and, and all best clinical assessment. Hang on, this is coming from a nerve root. And, mm-hmm. and of course, you've got the antidromic um, effects. If you've got a nerve root, you know, wriggling and jiggling, you're going to have backfiring down the, uh, mm-hmm. down the nervous system, which could set up, easily mm-hmm. set up problems in the hand or the wrists or the, or the knee or the, um, mm-hmm. or, the, or, the, or the foot. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, really complex. And, and um, from a clinical angle here, just like here's a couple of obscure little things that I reckon I could evaluate, I could consider and reason to be nerve roots. And one's uh, the pain sometimes people get here. It's just here, mm-hmm. like on the, on the corner of the scapula. On the yeah. corner of the scapula, and you do every sort of assessment, and they pull every muscle, and you do everything to it, and nothing really happens. And then, if yeah. you really take a quality assessment of the neck, and and it might be checking out, um, even taking it back into extension, as you know, and there's anything which might try and and see whether there's something going on there. I could reason clinically that that might be nerve root. Perhaps it's even mm-hmm. set up a little block of um of dorsal horn um upregulation as well, you know, right next to it. I think it's the same with that one that like at the in the hamstring too at the uh, mm-hmm. at so-called hamstring insertion. People have been digging there, pushing there. It's in there. It's in there. Yeah. You know. And, uh, take a closer evaluation, and you could well have a grumbly, have yeah. a grumbly um, nerve root, you know, contributing. Yeah. Of course, and in your patients, when they when it's when it's been there for long enough, it's it's not going to stay nerve root. Of course, it's going to mm. set up issues at the other end of the neuron, and of course, it'll set up issues in the um, in the in the representation of the body part and the meaning of that up in the brain as well mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then of course we've got the really roaring roaring great nerve roots where people are yeah. uh, um, in some cases almost so suicidal yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But, you know, I, I just get back on one thing i said i still um there's a bit of a big trend these days to 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 hands off um mm-hmm. and a lot of that's justified, I think, um, but there's still a really, a really uh, uh, essential place for high quality um, manual examination, particularly in the case of a nerve root or the nerve. Mm-hmm. Do you agree, Tom? Yeah, I think um, it's certainly one of the most satisfying things in my clinical experience uh, because I think it immediately is quite therapeutic as well. Um, it's really gratifying for me because it's interesting to sort of poke around and stretch nerves and see what bits numb and what bits tingles and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. very satisfying and reassuring, not all the time, obviously, but often for the patient. Um, I think it'd be interesting to talk, though, about what, what you mean by high quality, because I know that there's, there's a lot of, um, from maybe a quite, uh, sort of utilitarian point of view some people might say things are not strictly necessary the kind of the so what test well so what if 
I do this and this is positive. Um, maybe we, we could start with like the neuro, so-called neurodynamic testing. Um, yeah. Sometimes I'm I'm inclined just to kind of do the old straight leg raise, and if that's if that's positive, um, I don't feel much need to do anything else. But would you would you think I need to sort of do a bit more? Yeah, but uh, there'd be no. Um, I don't have a a rule or an algorithm there. Each patient yeah. for me is its yeah. own has its own um, has their their own rules. So, um, and it would just depend if I thought there was something like in the say in the sural nerve system, I would yeah. certainly be doing a straight leg raise with a dorsiflexion and an inversion to hunt mm. it out and you'll pick up those missed uh, lateral angle uh, an- um, ankle spots and presumably there's a little bit of ectopic discharge and a bit of stickiness in the nerve, nerves that are net there which are, are very easily sort of treated um, but in a lot of other states where I think we've got nerve root uh, um, nerve root and I'd probably just a my standard uh, neurodynamic evaluation probably is a straight leg raise, um, passive yeah. flexion, sure. And while they're in the seated position, just carefully see what combinations of, of neck position mm-hmm. and sort of knee position. Mm-hmm. Um, in in the more in a more long term and not so acute nerve root problem, I would be just say it's a in in the in the in the lumbar spine. I would just very quickly do a load up the perineal system or the, or the tibular system and the tibial sort of system. Um, mm. And you might find, I certainly have found that sometimes uh, one is far more reactive than the other. Mm-hmm. I think people think that the sciatic nerves all kind of joined up, but the, the yeah. perineal or the, or the fibular nerve, as you know, and the, and the tibial nerve don't join up. And you can actually mm-hmm. put, a, put, a, put a, a load up one but not the other. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and so you can see, but you know, we're getting to the real subtlety of of examination of examination mm-hmm. here, but very relevant in a certain kind of patient, mm-hmm. whether whether it's a someone playing in a high level sport and missing something, or someone who's who's um, um, more in the chronic mild chronic state. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we've got this huge potential for nerve nerve root to set up the to set up the um, central changes that we see so so um, uh, so commonly with the chronic ones, so you'll see the central mm-hmm. regulation, and mm-hmm. and that starts to be sort of maintained by a whole range of other things, um, you know, fear, what's next, what mm-hmm. if you think all that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and then of course you get this sort of cycle occurring as the brain tries to protect and overprotect and pours in a bit more adrenaline, a bit more muscle spasm and mm-hmm. a bit more cortisol and you start to breathe yeah. differently and you get this this uh, incredible circuit. And it all started off from a, could a nerve root uh, yeah. Yeah. nerve root injury irritation that mightn't have been diagnosed back yeah. <laughs> back when it should have been. I spoke to a, a physiotherapist the other day and she has had two episodes now, both of which have, the second one's now almost completely subsided of really serious kind of neuropathic hot really bad sciatica um and she said that uh, when her sort of symptoms subside and she's pain-free or in control of things they always flare up again 
for the two days that she's on call. Um, so as you, because you've worked in England, haven't you? So um, physiotherapists in England, even if you're, you know, MSK physio, if you're in the NHS, you've got to do a couple of days every so often on call on respiratory duty. And she said every time she had to do that, her symptoms would come back just yeah. for those two days. And yeah. she said as soon as she put on her uniform, or took off her uniform, sorry, at the end of those two days, symptoms just vanished. Yeah, fabulous story. Yeah. Uh, I think the temptation with nerve pain sometimes, and I've definitely fallen into it, is to feel like it's more, um, I don't know. I think we're, we're used to kind of drawing in all the various systems of the body and all the various psychosocial factors to understand a, a chronic low back pain. But often the temptation with nerve pain is to feel like they don't apply somehow. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's in the nerve root. It's away from the brain. It's something. Mm. It's something distinct. And and <clears throat> that's a critical point, Tom. You you know that you would find plenty of evidence that the moment the moment you um have some sort of change, compromise or whatever, the the dorsal horn sort of representation will just flare. And of course, you know. The body's an organ; it goes right, right through the system. And those stories that that um, <clears throat> you tell there, <clears throat> they've always been out there. But I reckon a lot of people have, haven't told us that because it's too weird for them, or therapists mm. haven't really delved in and encouraged them to tell those those stories that we now know are absolutely explainable, understandable, and 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 and. Yeah, let's say treatable as well too, highly treatable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it still doesn't sort of, it, even in that state, there's still for me a place for what I call mechanical permissibility, providing where we can optimal mechanical permissibility of the nerve root, the nerve root complex and sort of around it in simple language to to give any production of stress chemicals sort of less chance to act upon an area. Does yeah. that make sense? Uh-huh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So so in in that, I'm still I'm still you know, I have a lot of talking, education, movement, graded stuff. And of course the nervous system lends itself to graded movement beautifully. Um, <clears throat> but I'm still there. Let's 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 give as much oh Tom, it's a simple thing. I might have spoken to you before, but I still remember as an undergraduate about a hundred years ago. Um, an old neurosurgeon coming in to talk to us at, at physio school and he was talking about nerves and he, he looked at the group and he said, somehow you lot have to let a bit of air in there, into those nerves, give it a bit of oxygen. Okay. You know, whether it's moving, change posture, wriggling, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And I've always <laughs> taken that. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> you There's know, whether the, it's... The, the quote from uh, Romberg, the, the neurosurgeon, that pain is the prayer of a nerve for healthy blood. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like That's a lovely one, isn't it? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, and of course, I think of the nervous system takes 25, 30% of every bit of oxygen and every 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 blood, every heartbeat. So, yeah, give back that and that permissibility, permissibility within there. Of course, we've got the immune system um, now. We've all got a. I thought, Tom, I knew everything, and then I thought, oh shit, I've got to learn about the immune system now. <laughs> and in retrospect, how could we have forgotten? How could we have forgotten that um, <clears throat> um, that it is so so important? What is it? A, tr- a trillion cells in our 
in our nervous system and and um, the majority are immune <laughs> immune reactive cells and but of course that that's allowed us to to talk to people about why it might flare up when you are anxious or um, you know the latency which we know happens that the immune system allows why you might do something and then it sort of buzzes a buzzes two weeks or even sort of a year or so later mm, and, mm. and the other thing I too I was uh, <laughs> this is going back to the mechanical thinking you can mechanically actually mobilize the immune cells within the nervous system Mm -hmm. right. So, I, you know, here we are on the edge of science here, but, um, of course, uh, you know, Schwann cells, um, well, you haven't got any Schwann cells in the roots, but but in in nerves and elsewhere, you know, they need to be actually moved. Um, glial complexes of glial cells become stiff too, so they mm -hmm. move and that. Uh, it's all movement, you know, and, of course, nerve root gets half its nutrition from CSF, so the place of this you know, whole body, whole body movement, you know, comes into play, comes into play really nicely. Mm. I'm not sounding mm. too wah-wah, am I for you, Tom? Off the planet. Too what, sorry. Too too wah-wah. It means off the planet <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> no, no, it's it's good. I, this is. I just really interested interested to hear your impression on these things and kind of the, how you articulate. Um, yeah, yeah, it's um. Well, it's, this is helpful for me too, because it's as I've said, you know, you can reflect on the changes, the changes, and in 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 my life, I'm well. I try and be a researcher, but I'm hopeless at that. I'm essentially a clinician at heart, and that's that's where I've always always been. But you can certainly see these changes where, when we first started to pick up work from on the shoulders of Bob Elvey and Jeff Maitland and others, um, that we treated the nervous system just like a a joint find where it was a bit stiff and you know heave on yeah. and something happened and then we got in and realized the complexity of it you know for example of how um, adrenaline reactive and how quickly a, a nerve root can become adrenaline reactive and then you start to realize hang on i've got a really well that means i might have to do something a little bit sort of you know kind of different and then you realize that it's part of a, a part of a system in mm -hmm. uh, in the sort of the whole world and it's 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 um it's changed but it's certainly a lot more for me a lot more storytelling a lot more de-threatening a lot more taking a full as you probably heard us talk of a dim sim analysis of trying mm -hmm. to pick all the dangers out there that could be keeping this um body and nerve roots sort of reactive mm -hmm. um and drawing them you, you know something that got me most people you know everyone's got those bloody plastic models of a spine <laughs> on their state. They're horrendous things yeah. and they're wrong because in in, in most most um, <clears throat> invertible you know, foramen, the nerve itself only takes up about a third of the space. Yes. Yeah. You know, and, and the rest is, is quite adaptable fat and uh, and mm. vein and whatever. And and that's a, a lovely story for people. You've got plenty of space in there. Mm, and mm. it's worth giving it a gentle wriggle jiggle and give it a bit of a give a bit of life let a bit of air in there and it's safe to move and they're simple things of, aren't they they're simple things but they're yeah. powerful things uh -huh. and i think i certainly kind of when i reflect on my my understanding of that i i feel very uh fearful of movement around nerves yeah so i think i've kind of internalized you know you talk about feeling it in your gut or feeling it in your bones yeah 
think I've kind of internalized it for what you might call like nociceptive pain and, you know, chronic back pain. But there's still a, a deep, deep part of me that feels worried about um, getting nerves, painful nerves moving, you know. Yeah. It's funny how even with everything I kind of know and I've seen the the rat research that you can you can do it after like day yeah. two and day you know two, I've seen the anatomy yeah. and I know they don't they're not going to snap you know yeah. but I still feel really worried about it sometimes. Well, part of it might even come back to that uh, even the term nerve root. What am I <laughs> trying pulling on a root a root <laughs> you know, whatever you know pulling out a radish yeah <laughs> yeah and but here are these rootlets that 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 that. Um, I remember years ago seeing a, um, I was at a, um, a laminectomy, watching a laminectomy surgery being done, and the, and the surgeon said, just have a look at this, and he wriggled the patient's foot, and the nerve rootlets up there were wriggling too at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> it always stuck with me about it. They said, well, yeah. wriggle, they're supposed to wriggle. It's sort of, it's sort of, um, it's sort of normal too. And I think too with the nerve root, there's um, been teaching out there too in some parts Maybe not now that it's sort of the weak part of the the mm. weak uh, the weak part of the whole sort of a mm. system. Um, it's certainly incredibly highly reactive, but um, you know maybe you know people need to be told it's got massive massive sort of a funnel of connective tissue that shifts the force into the um, into the meninges and out, and the roots themselves are quite nicely um, quite nicely protected. Mm. Yeah. So the fear, the fear, yeah, it's an interesting thing, yeah, moving nerves, the whole notion of nerve. and yeah. um, I reckon most um, patients out there, if you ask them, how big do you think your, say, your so median nerve in the wrist is, how big mm. do you think it is? I reckon most would say like a piece of cotton, something like mm. that. There's mm. still that public not awareness that this thing is as big as the tendon in there, that if you pulled it out, it could hold... 40 or 50 kilograms of weight on that like, you know your sciatic mm. nerves most powerful ligament in the body and uh, and mm. it's it's all part of normal normal movement yeah yeah and and just on on that this idea of getting nerves moving then yeah uh, so i i um when I, when I, I i would be doing neurodynamics in clinic so I, as i mentioned off mic i've been in practice for 2 years so it's all it's relatively kind of relatively new still. That's enough to know everything, Tom. <laughs> oh no, I, I've already been through that phase. That's fine. All right. <laughs> um, and the neurodynamics we were doing were quite uh, regimented. Uh, even when I were kind of relaxed a little bit, they still looked like they do in the kind of in the textbooks or whatever. Yeah. But I was surprised to read in the sensitive nervous system that even sort of back then you seem to be advocating a much more kind of jazzy and, and fluid and even sort of what we might call like functional approach yeah. to just moving nerves. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And and that's probably even even strengthened today. Just get out there and just incorporate it into, into movement. And, you know, look, there are some patients you mightn't even tell that you, that, you know, what they're doing is actually moving their nervous system beautifully as they're, as they're cleaning their, cleaning yeah. the, uh, you know, the shower wall or they're waving <laughs> yeah. up in the air or parting the water or reaching behind doing a bit of flamenco <laughs> dance or whatever, you know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, sort of within all of that, though, there's still, we've talked about nerve root and, and that's, um, 
far more clinically reactive than the nerve trunk, I think. But there are there is the nerve trunk needs needs some. Uh, you know, I always say some profession to look to look after. To you know, if you ask most health professionals, can you? Most people know their dermatomes to a reasonable level, but you ask them what's the cutaneous feels, and no one seems to really quite get it. Yeah. Yet out there, there's numbers of people with these minor but terribly inconveniencing. Um, perf- I saw one recently. It was a, a, um, um, we're doing a big sort of knee trial. I've been involved in a big osteoarthritis trial and talking to some patients and and just seeing if they were appropriate for the trial and this patient spoke about this um medial medial knee side pain that someone had given a label of patella fat pattern sort of whatever and mm-hmm. it was not hard to pick that there was a saphenous nerve irritation irritation entrapment up in the quads but mm-hmm. that's that sort of thing gets missed and come through but easy to treat tell them what's going on give it a few wriggles and you know away you well maybe a bit more than that sometimes but but yeah, yeah. You know, away you go. Yeah. So that, those little little things. I, I had one recently, Tom, myself. I like to do a bit of fishing, mate. And and I was out fishing. <laughs> I caught this bloody great fish, and and the um the spine went into my finger when I was cleaning it, and it gave a real jab at the time, and it was bloody sore. Mm. And then I, I began to realise that it must have irritated a, a digital nerve. You think it's only tiny, but I also like to swim. And what the thing that I couldn't do was dive into a swimming pool, put the mm-hmm. arm up because it was ah, it would twang as I stretched it as I dove in the pool. Mm-hmm. So I had to dive in the pool with this hand like like this, and I was funny wriggling it and pulling it and trying to tease it and massaging yeah. it and whatever. And yeah. um, I booked in to have a um have an ultrasound to see what's going on there. Might need a little nick or something. And as soon as I yeah. booked in, the ultrasound it went got better. So, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, it's an example of these little minor little snags and catches and terribly inconveniencing, but we need to mm. be careful with them. And then the feet mm. are particularly quite common too in the mm. little snags and catches in the in the neural nets in the in the feet. Yeah, yeah. and I, I would imagine like a lot of nerve pain that can be quite debilitating once they really get going. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I, I think back at some people with who I've kind of, I'm doing the air quotes now, diagnosed with plantar fasciitis. And sometimes yeah. I think that probably wasn't what that was, you know. Um, yeah. That was uh, a critic. That's almost like a model and um, model. I I quite happily say that I don't think I've seen a pure, if there is such a thing, plantar fasciitis. It's, mm-hmm. it's um, such a really powerful, beautifully evolved, you know, sort of structure. And, uh, and it's not hard to see that in a, big number of cases you've got something um, neurogenic and whether that's in calcaneal nerves or probably linked up to the up to mm. nerve as well too and the whole complex is sort of is sort of um, set up and uh, and indeed the, the the itis part of the fasciitis is, may well be neurogenically <laughs> um, neurogenically um, inspired mm. um, yeah so from the minor, and then you've got Tom. There's this always. If I had to pick one of the most difficult groups, uh, the patients aren't sort of difficult, but the problem is, is uh, some of the cervical nerve root problems and the good classics. You know, C six seven. Someone's been in trouble for five six weeks. Often they've gone and had some sort of scan, and it's showing something, but on the other side, or you know, a higher <laughs> level above, and 
the patients contemplating surgery and um, sometimes in private health systems they're being pushed into surgery and uh, mm-hmm. that's a tough situation. It's a tough situation mm-hmm. and the quality of life's been knocked out for knocked out for some time and and you know they're at great risk of sort of you know setting up a lot um, like a long term chronic chronic pain state. They're the, they're the, they're tough ones and um, my comments to I usually come hang in with them, you know, support them, support them with it. The majority Mm -hmm. will sort of settle down. Mm -hmm. Uh, The data on surgery for it's not that good, and but you're lucky you live in a place where it is there. If it really, if it really doesn't settle down, and the number of people come on, just take another week, week sort of, you know, with it. Um, Do everything else you can to get your sims going and give yourself a bit of immune immune health there. Gentle Mm -hmm. jiggles, stick with it, and and but it's probably one of the hardest Mm -hmm. clinical life situations Mm -hmm. to deal with because you're often competing with other. You know, someone at home says, "Oh, go and get the surgery. Go and get a needle in there or something or whatever." Yeah. Yeah. uh, hang in, hang in. It'll, it'll, yeah. it'll settle. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like a, yeah, kind of a white knuckle ride, isn't it? While, while you're kind of waiting for that. It is a white knuckle ride, and and um, yeah, they're, yeah, they're the sort of patients mm. I wake up at night and think about um, mm-hmm. how mm. they how they're doing. But great, lot of satisfaction when the thing, as it invariably can do, begins to just drop away and ease and mm. At ease back um, but there's a lot of story there to go with it you know there's space there um, obviously you can link people to the story that um, on scans a lot of people have squishy compressed um, nerve roots even to like a ribbon that they don't have pain just let it settle um, talk them through all of the things that could be making it highly reactive and now it's easy to do that we know about um, about adrenal reactivity, immunoreactivity um, mm. of that, you know, the representation of it is also is also um, easy to easy to fire off. Mm. Um, <clears throat> some of those patients we may try these days on on some of the motor sort of simulation um, strategies, whether it's whether it's sort of uh, a bit of left-right discrimination work, or just sort of imagining, imagining okay. movements. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's no, uh, there's no evidence for that yet, but it makes, it makes a lot of sense. Let's mm-hmm. give you. We're going to have that. We're going to have that moving in, in a week. Yeah. Let's, let's get the templates in there, sort of, you know, ready for it. Just imagine you can do this, you know, gentle, yeah. gentle. Hold out your hand for a. Um, yeah. Yeah. This, <laughs> And, and when it comes to the, the actual exercises, now you, you, you called them wriggles and jiggles. And I, yeah. I want to know if that's you being a, a little bit uh, sort of false false modesty, uh, trying to talk yourself down a bit. And if there if if there's some sort of more specific um, aspect to it than that. Or do you really find yourself kind of more playful, exploratory, m- wriggly, jiggly movement? I do, I do. I've um, I've always um, I've never liked, even though I might have written or made some guidelines about the formula for like a a mm-hmm. formula for what somebody actually does. Um, 
that's why I always have problems when someone says, give me the protocol, Dave. There's <laughs> no bloody protocol. It's, just, it's a human. Yeah, with a, yeah. And when, when you have neuropathology, anything can, anything can happen. But my big drive has always been as best as I can, sit back and reflect, and as best as I can humbly do it, what does this person biologically need to help that? Mm-hmm. What, what can I do in there neurobiologically to actually help and oh you know what i probably should sort of phrase it you know and what can they do to sort of um to kind of help um i can see still in that that there's a place for a little bit of a regimented state in some cases um person who's a person who's had an iv drip in for some time right and and come out and it's still hurting where the iv drip is uh and you take the hand down and it pulls in a, it pulls and whether there's something in a muscular cutaneous nerve branch or sort of maybe one of the radial, radial sensory branches. But I could probably say to the person, okay, I want you to do this, just do it six, eight times. Uh, come on, pull down, feel it pull, feel the pull. Yeah, that's it. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Let it go. All gone. Good. You're in control. Come on, down you go again. Feel it pull, feel it pull, feel it pull. And, and they say, how many will I do? And I say, oh, six. Any even number, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather you do that, but say so I'd rather you do that little a little and often, but you know, you're in control, just down, feel it pull, come back up. Um then you've got the other sort of situations where they're wriggling and jiggling, which might be more the careful it could even be the more like acute states where they're in a comfy position, they might be, you know, lying on their back or something and there might be wriggles or wish wriggle, jiggle, feel it, move it. Um I guess wriggle and jiggles evolve from patient language and of Yes. <laughs> get out there you could wriggle and jiggle and happen you'll let a little bit of blood in yeah. and you move all the juices around it you'll stop it scarring you'll move a bit of that blood out you'll milk a bit of that blood out it's like a swamp in there give it a wriggle and jiggle and clean it out yeah right? yeah <laughs> yeah uh, i think that it's because there's always this kind of uh people frame it between like specific or non-specific approach yeah. to exercise and there's obviously a, there's a bit of a, a funny way of putting it but yeah. i think for for a lot of um, therapists and a lot of clinicians, there's a temptation to be more specific because it yeah. makes you feel a, a bit more like like the expert and like you went to school for something and That's right. and there's a, like if you feel a bit more vulnerable or something if you be a bit less specific, yeah, um, like you're not on safe ground. So it's it's really uh, quite um, heartening when you kind of describe doing those kinds of things. It gives yeah. Me a, I, I think a therapist you know, can let go. So, so I might be quite happy when somebody has said, "Okay, I've gone for my walk, but I'm now, I'm now taking my dog for the walk, and they're in. I'm holding the dog in the same arm, and it's mm-hmm. moving a little bit, but it's okay." Now mm-hmm. I know myself, I would think, "Oh, that's great," but they're wriggling and jiggling <laughs> in yeah. a very functional <laughs> sense while there's a, you know. I mightn't say to a great Dane on a yeah. <laughs> take your great Dane, you never a big shake up, but uh, that that wriggle and jiggle and yeah the and the um, I mean I mean dance has always had a dance mm. the uh, integration into dance and yoga and Feldenkrais and um, that's wriggling and jiggling and that's <clears> lovely <throat> functional sort of stuff and 
you know, I've always had a viewpoint and even stronger now that the arts and has a huge place to play in in pain treatment, in mm-hmm. um, in recovery, whether in a, a physical sense or or even in an explanatory sense, if you you know a lot of poetry and prose has come yeah. from people who've been uh, who've been traumatised and they're explaining things as uh, far better than any of the health professionals ever done. Mm. Mm. But that's another that's another topic. Yeah, mm. I think um, I still remember the um, I still remember with Elspeth McLaughlin and others when it must have been twenty close to twenty years ago. I think. Um, was that 20 years ago when they showed that the nerve, that the um, um, the nerve root itself in the dorsoid ganglion um, began to express a higher level of adrenoreceptors, and mm. that and that within I think within a week or so that um, that um, sympathetic neurons could actually grow into the into the um, dorsoid ganglion to almost sort of you know, feed the habit. To feed the stress mm-hmm. habit, and mm-hmm. and I think if I look back, that was a really significant change away from the mechanical thinking that we had, mm-hmm. and of course, um, and of course that was coupled with. Um, I've often told people that the shock I got when I read that an 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 iron channel or a receptor only can live for a couple of days, and yeah. that. It'll turn over, and I thought, holy hell! So, so yeah, yeah. simple sense. If someone's <laughs> really stressed and upset, and, and and there's a whole collection of adrenoreactive channels in a in the axillema that that they can turn over and change, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so quickly. It's incredible. Yeah. And that, that was a for me a, in the clinical life that was quite a revolution, and that was what really led to the in certainly nerve pain. Let's sit back. Let's set a context. Let's let's talk about it. Let's let's um. Let's let's ease it back and sort of grade you back, grade you mm. back to activity. Yeah. One of the um the more I, I don't know if it's fair to call it recent because it's not like a new discovery, but certainly the first time to my knowledge it's been shown in nerve root pain is the the spread of neuroinflammation throughout the nervous system. So the, yeah, the, the, uh, a recent paper. Uh, <clears throat> I, uh, the lead author actually agreed to talk to me as well in a couple of weeks, which would be really interesting. Oh, lovely, they yeah. used some, some fancy pants imaging technique that I don't understand to yeah. show people with radicular pain, the kind of this lit up nerve root, as you might expect to show that it was inflamed, but also <coughs> radicular pain. The spinal cord, you know, way up at L1, L2 was also inflamed. Um, so it had kind of spread into the spinal cord, which I thought was again I tend I tend to show that image to a lot of people to to kind of help to understand how these things are that's, how these things that's work. right yeah that whole um sanctity that the central nervous system that we thought had that it was immune mm-hmm. to what's going on in the peripheral system is certainly is certainly sort mm-hmm. of invaded quickly even the you know, even the channels across the meninges that certainly allow a inflammatory process outside to get to cross mm. um which may explain the kind of extra dermatomal spread that we see so often i'd explain the extra dermatomal spread but it would also begin to help explain some of the um 
the anxiety and other other mental changes that can occur from a um, nerve injury. So if, if it's a if it's an inflammation within within the central nervous system, then the potential, as I say, if you have any, what's that lovely book? Um, Edward Bulmer, or was he? Someone like he wrote a beautiful book about it and gave his own the, example. The recent, the recent one. Yeah, like if you have a tooth pulled out and which is a nerve injury in in. Mm. In essence, mm. you feel crappy. You feel crappy um, after, and it's not just because you might have a lot of nociception and and maybe pain constructed, but there's a mm. this um, inflammatory mm. response through the whole sort of a, mm. a system, um, and, and that helps explain a lot of things. It almost, you know, it also helps. I think a modern therapist who's really up in doing quality movement, doing quality psychosocial, trying to help patient unpack their problem from a physical, emotional sense and put it together, uh, that would be that should be really welcome and sort of supportive news for, for the modern therapists. And we're sort of stumbling on this this issue now, which um, we of, I often come back to when I'm talking to other clinicians and other therapists about um, radicular pain. Which is um, which is how extraordinarily bad it can be, uh, and as you said, some people can be at the point of suicide yeah. because of how bad the pain is, um, and um, often kind of inconsolable. Yeah. I think, um, and that that was something that actually took a little while for the penny to drop for me. I know it sounds really weird and, and a bit dense, uh, sort of in hindsight, but it took me a while to work out that people with acute sciatica or some people with acute sciatica had much much worse pain and were much more miserable and had like much more dark thoughts than your yeah. average person with acute knee OA. Just to yeah. take two two group averages. Yeah, and and then so then you get onto this thing of, um, what as clinicians we can't offer them immediate pain relief in most cases to those really angry kind of recent herniated disc type people. So we're wondering uh, about things like injections, medications, operations, that type of thing. I don't want to push you into a corner and ask you to make definitive statements. So I refer for injections in these cases, but yeah. I'm curious about whether that's part of your practice, David. Because I'm, yeah, it's, well, it's a really good question. And number one, um, I'm not seeing a lot of patients and the ones I see are all chronic. So I don't have that sort of yeah. dilemma at the moment. <laughs> um, however, I would, I, in the, in the, I think the control of nociception early on in that first, say, up to you know, like a, a week, I, mm. I, if um, I would think um, some form of injection or heavy meds would be would be appropriate. Mm. Um, can't leave them on there for long, of course. If it's heavy meds, we know the opioids um, become addictive after three days or up to a week. Um, so you'd hope there'd be some sort of therapy there to use that window of opportunity to start to um, to do everything they can to dampen dampen it down. Mm. You know, but that's just gentle goal setting. Here's a movement you can do. Um, if you can, uh, uh, there's a whole range of little mm. little things, and we say 
every little thing matters in that state, what you can pull together to to mm-hmm. to sort of help someone. Particular mm-hmm. particular posture, particular movement, knowing knowing what the problem is, knowing it can change, knowing that we're bioplastic and can and can and will change and adapt over time. Mm-hmm. Rather than just leave someone as, oh, it's a screaming nerve root mess, you need these heavy meds and whatever. Mm-hmm. Away but as, yeah, but as you say, it kind of the the idea of a, an injection or a, a, like a gabapentin or or something, you know, it's a very difficult topic to get into, and you know, depending on which way you look at the evidence, you could you could go either way. But as you say, it fits with a certain understanding of how the nervous system works that that you would want to stop all this crazy stuff going on. Yeah. I think that's yeah. absolutely fair. I would, in 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 most cases, go along with that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But as you say, that understanding understanding is the key. Uh, and, I, and as I was kind of saying at the beginning, I've often found like to made huge strides with with people, just just kind of getting them to have a very basic understanding that their nerve isn't necessarily trapped. It might be just a bit pissed off. You know, yeah, um, it's a bit pissed off, and a pissed off nerve can do a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you're lucky. You're a highly reactive living person, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, I, I, you know, I always, I still remember. Um, we talked about the neurological examination before, and it's sort of, you know, digressing slightly. But I also like people to know that it's a cognitive thing as well too. And like a skilled, even a skilled examination where you may be able to show somebody that they've got, that they've got even a small sort of reflex. Oh, look, it's starting to fire again. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's mm-hmm. that's potent. Or um, somebody with the carpal tunnel a problem where, or there might have been a nerve repair or something. It's beginning to tingle. Great tingling. You're beginning to fire again. Yeah. You, you yeah. know, it's sort of it's just sort of you know reframing. Reframing mm-hmm. things into a appropriately positive um, viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. I was, there's one one other thing I wanted to talk about today because I know kind of time is limited. Um, I did want to ask you a bit about the future of uh, explain pain because I know you've got a, you've got something on the horizon. But before we before we move on, I don't think we were, were, were aiming to kind of cover cover everything about um, nerves and everything about ridiculous pain in one chat. But what how how have you found our chat today? Do you think we covered some interesting ground, or do you think there's anything that you feel like you you want to you want to add? Yeah, no, I think we've um, I've enjoyed the chat, uh, Tom. We've been round back and forth, and um, yeah. I like this particularly fireside non-structured <laughs> chats and you hope that people listening might have picked up a little clue or something they might want to read about or think about a little bit uh, more and um, and if anything with the main topic being hang on there's this there is a uh, there's a nervous system outside the brain that that mm-hmm. also needs careful evaluation and can be incredible contributors to acute and chronic pain states and yeah. and and that's the that's the key thing and uh, that's the key thing yeah. So explain pain. Did you want to ask something about the world of explain pain? I did. I, I think I, I would, people would be upset if we didn't touch on it because I, I watched your, I want to say, Le, Le Pub Scientifique. Oh, did you? All right, yeah. 
Cool. <laughs> Which is good, by the way. Well, you oh. kept your clothes. You kept your clothes on for this chat, so I don't yeah, know what. Yeah, kept clothes on. Here, here, you know. Um, and you mentioned it a little bit, and I wondered if you could just tell me, or you know, tell the listeners if anyone's listening to this, what what's next for Explain Pain? Um, the Explain Pain, the Explain Pain world is moving really quickly here. Um, um, just briefly, it's moving in a couple of directions. Um, just to mention two, the, probably the major shift that's happening in our writing, thinking and research is what we call the integration of the learn to learn, the learn to learn strategies. So and that's sort of based on the notion or not the notion, the knowledge that we know that most people, including university students, have never been taught how to learn. Mm. So who are we to teach somebody about pain when our own learning systems are probably flawed? Mm. So we've gone back and and now integrate integrate um, learning strategies um, subtly but sometimes overtly into our explained pain research and now into the clinic. So that's the first thing, which is a topic mm. by itself. The other thing is um, explain pain thinking uh, linked to DIMS and SIMS and whatever. And now moving, um, now moving into into other areas and, and areas of breathlessness, of post-traumatic stress disorder, um, fatigue, and other areas because these states are really not much different to pain. They're all <laughs> productions of perturbations of homeostatic systems of the nervous system in response mm -hmm. to injury, need, threat, curiosity, whatever. We, and I say we, that's the Noy group, that's my colleague, Laura Mimosi and others, we're quite slow in doing this. And, and um, for example, we're moving into some pretty sort of much deeper explanation with knee osteoarthritis. We like to do it. We like to get a PhD student along at the same time. They're mm. researching. We're making sure it's, we're making sure it's, really valid before we unleash these concepts on the unsuspecting expecting <laughs> world but um you know to me tom i've always said um increasingly um i'm an educationalist now i'm loving storytelling um yeah. i've always believed as i've said knowledge is the greatest um <laughs> energy resource we have on yeah. earth and we certainly need that now. We certainly need to teach people to to think critically, and I think mm -hmm. we can do that in health, which has an effect on the on the whole world as well. But um, it's still I'm still not not stopping a uh, teaching or doing a, a quality and appropriate physical examination um, <laughs> same time. So there's a yeah. big answer for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it does. It sounds like. It's so exciting. I mean, I mean, just the idea of being able to um, be part of a profession that could link these things together, which yeah. you know, I personally can't do, and I, I suspect just sort of the professional tacit knowledge just isn't there to be able to do it. Yeah. But if we can manage to kind of link all those things together, yeah. I think it would be so wonderful. Wonderful. It's just uh, you know, it's really exciting. Um, yeah, it is exciting days, and and um, you know, I would have retired ages ago if I didn't. Um, <laughs> I always say, lucky enough in my life, you you pick up um, 
people along the way who really keep you going and support. And in the neurodynamics, it was Alf Brieg a long time ago, and then Sir Sidney Sunderland and peripheral nerve work, and then um, Pat Wall, and then uh, my work with Lorimer Mosley. He's sort of kept me kept mm. me going alive and making me think and work. And uh, yeah. no, I think it's I I think it's exciting days for the rehab rehab um, world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Maybe we can have another chat about that sometime and unpack yeah. that a bit as well. Yeah, no problems. There's a, quite a bit to chat about there. <laughs> uh, David, uh, I can't express, like, I was, um, I can say it now because I was so nervous before talking to you. Oh, because, come, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't want to say it up front, but I was so nervous. But so thanks for. Um, it's uh, been a pleasure. I love to, to talk. I love to, I love these talks. I love the podcasts, yeah. and um, it's 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 really great because it helps me reflect and put put um, where I'm heading into some sort of a, some sort of a sensible sequence too. So that's helpful. Yeah. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Enjoy your trip to Kangaroo Island. I will. I'm going fishing in a couple of days. There'll be whiting and there'll be squid, calamari. There might even be a the odd little shark come in the boat. There'll be a few Shirazes consumed and uh, it'll be lovely. Just look after your digital nerves. Oh, yes, exactly. Okay, thanks, Tom. (laughs) Thanks, David. Take care. All right, you too. Bye-bye. So there it is. Uh, Thanks again to David for taking the time to talk. It's a privilege to hear his perspective on these things to get an insight into his mental models and to hear him turn thoughts over in his mind. As I said in the intro, do get in touch if you have any suggestions for future episodes of the podcast and if you want to keep updated of them or just want to read more about nerve root pain and nerve pain in general, do sign up for my newsletter. Um, You can find that at tomjesson.substack.com and my Twitter Uh, If you want to get in touch, is at Thomas underscore Jesson. Or you can contact me by my website, tomjesson.com. My conversation with David did continue a bit longer before he had to rush off for work. So as a coder, here's a bit more of that. Till next time. in most of the pain states we've seen, including nerve root, is that it's the shift from this is not an entity, a thing, this is a process. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's not an, like an entity means there's, you know, the, it, you know, the future's already constructed, it's there, but but humans are processes, and that's particularly the case in mm-hmm. OA, where people think, oh, yeah, you've got to have an operation or um, just sort mm-hmm. of live it. But hang on, mm-hmm. a, a homeostatic process which you can actually change quite dramatically. Mm-hmm. Same mm-hmm. with the whole range of neuropathic pain states. I think there's people. Oh, I've got a nerve root syndrome, so it becomes a, it becomes a, becomes a noun, becomes a thing rather than mm-hmm. I've got a process and I'm a human, ever changing bioplastic human who, um, mm-hmm. who if I can hook into some of those change potential I have within me, things can change. Yeah, and a, a lot of the things you, you talk about in terms of changing conceptual shift, uh, sort of the the idea of you being helped or, or pulled along by other learners, 
Um, the fact that you've been a self self guided or learner and kind of done all this exploration yourself is sounds like that's almost kind of what you're trying to recreate for people with pain. Yeah, that's Um, an interesting thought. I hadn't thought of it in that viewpoint. Thanks. Thanks. That's, um, yes, it is. Yes, it is exactly Mm -hmm. what we're trying to create in, Mm -hmm. yeah, in people. Interesting, huh? Mm. I'll tell you an interesting fact. One fact, and I better go to work. I only found out the other day that a chondrocyte in cartilage yeah. will move. So if you've got a bit of cartilage rubbed off or injury, the chondrocyte yeah. will move within the cartilage and it'll move a millimetre, but it'll take 250 days to move the millimetre. <laughs> so but it'll actually move, and there's usually two of them together, and they'll mm. split like a daughter cell and they mm. will move to the injured site it's slow yeah. and they'll yeah. then produce some lubricating fluid and where you go so, yeah. so which is part of the story that if you can actually stay in a in a movement or an immunological sweet zone for long enough then there's plenty of evidence that cartilage mm. will actually re um regenerate mm-hmm. so, these yeah. things an old boy excited tom there yeah. you go <laughs> <laughs> no it's good i remember went reading and explained pain supercharged there were two things that stuck with me the first time i read it one was the idea of um uh antidromic impulses yeah so there's ones that go the wrong way or yeah. with the axonal reflex and I'm like, what the f- oh come on <laughs> no, you can't do that <laughs> i thought i thought i understood and the other one was the um the ion channels the nerve growth factor going up to the uh dorsal horn and coming back down again or whatever or sending another ion channel back down yeah yeah yeah. and and these little things just stick with you and think i really did not get it well reconceptualizing you know the uh, i don't know whether we said it enough in there but lorimer's um how your spinal cord is nothing like nothing like we've been taught which is a learning about up and Mm -hmm. down gate control Mm -hmm. sort of stuff it's nothing like that. It's 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 as though your brain hasn't got enough space in the cranium, so you've got yeah. a brain in your spinal cord. Yeah. And it, you know, if it was just straight up and down, people who break their back, you could probably probably repair it. But because it's all <laughs> a mash of brain, so you break your back, you know, you're in trouble. So. Yeah. I read um I read a, a quote to, the other day in a, a old book. Uh, Physiology and Pathology of Mind, 1867, by Henry Maudsley. And he wrote, he writes, like the brain, the spinal cord has a memory. A spinal cord without memory would be an idiotic spinal cord. Oh, how lovely is that? True, isn't it? (laughs) 1867, that that was. (laughs) How lovely is that? Back then. Yeah, I wonder what observations that came from somewhere. Um, But they were better at observing things. Because this is, and I know we're kind of, you said you have to get to work, but if you don't mind me saying it, make an observation about you, you don't seem beholden to the categories that we've been given for understanding pain or conditions. Yeah. So, for example, when you're talking about plantar fasciitis, my brain would put stuff in the category plantar fasciitis because that's what it's called in textbooks. Yeah, yeah. Um, and... It, it seems like that is quite, almost quite debilitating to thought because if you look at the old Victorian texts and certainly like the really old ancient Greek stuff, 
they don't really have those categories yet so they just say what they see and it's so much more interesting it is yeah mm. absolutely and, and that's um interesting there's some um, this profiling like um in um uh it's, it's happened in multiple sclerosis uh, uh, uh spinal cord injury parkinson's this whole range of these horror bloody states uh, these horrible states and and people are showing that the the label doesn't really help you at all but if you the thing you might change like something common to it all like uh, it could be burning pain so that mm. is more predictive of anything or, or more sort of treatment directive or you know or sort of latency or something and and this mm-hmm. oh yeah <laughs> you know yeah yeah strokes another thing we're doing a lot of work with and stroke pain mm-hmm. so um um at, you realize i think it's 70 percent of people have a stroke have a chronic pain state and it's swept under the carpet nobody mm-hmm. ever does anything about it mm-hmm. you, if you think about it, it's probably the word stroke or the label that's probably mm. as potent in keeping in keeping a system active. Anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the label of it, yeah, it says we just don't worry about labels. Just see what you're fine. See what you're fine. Sounds good to me. All right, I better go to work. Yeah.